0: Six champ, Double Zero himself, Vinny Hart is here with Tony Dill. What's up, TD? Is the weather eased up a little
1: bit, man? Hey, man. You see, I got the smile on my face. I came home. We have power. I'm back excited about having some TV. I was actually watching a little Maryland-Minnesota uh, game. So, um, you know, it's amazing when you lose power. <laughs> the electronics that you uh, that you're familiar with, and you talked about this earlier today, was that you know i i kept walking in the room uh flipping on switches and i'm like man you know what man the electricity off. you know but it, it i guess it's such a routine and you never even think about it so you know even when um you know pandemic hit you know it, it was more about everyone went into survival mode and during this time it really made me think about buying a generator just for the house not a portable generator but i just want to get one for all the electronics in the house that i'm familiar with like the refrigerator the deep freezer uh the hot water tank. so just really hook everything up to the um to the generator because i think it's from what i'm hearing is going to be a tough winter uh for most southerners so i'm gonna be prepared for it this time around
0: we kind of do for one we, we've been skating up here on winter for we years
1: so, hey, we have to
0: cold. it's not even
1: yeah. cold anymore so it's
0: it might get us we
1: you know what? And here's the thing too, it's twenty twenty. I'm not gonna be surprised, you know. So I'd rather be prepared knowing what this year has brought us than not be prepared. So um I'm really checking on that. So I think in, in the next couple of weeks I'm gonna get uh uh generator for the for the house and uh it was it was good to have friends that had an extra uh generator that we could borrow last night to to kind of keep the house warm and you know the hook our electronics up, because it's funny. You don't think about it until, you know, your, your cell phone goes dead. <laughs> yeah. <And then laughs> how important electricity is. That's
0: right. That's right. Don't know what we got till it's gone, boy. <laughs> there
1: you go, for real.
0: You talk about being prepared. Uh, I guess, you know, Cal kind of let everybody know how he prepared for the changes with KP going to the Knicks. Uh, we talked about it last week and how you you thought Tony Barbie kind of slide over and kind of fill that spot. Uh, normally Cal would do all this at Big Blue Madness, get a big speech and a rundown. But <laughs> like you said, 2020 done, done yes. changed a lot of things. So it he has. got on Twitter and put out a video. Uh, Barbie is now going to be associate head coach like what KP was. Uh, Justice and Bruiser and Jay Lucas going to be doing, you know, hitting the recruiting hard. Right, and John Robick is kind of doing scouting and scheduling because I mean, you know, DPV used to do a lot of scheduling, and now he's at the yeah. top. So, a lot of changing, kind of moving and shaking and shuffling a little bit.
1: Yeah, we lost two really good brothers, you know, with uh, KP and PV leaving, and um, some other. It's some opportunity for some other guys to step up. Tony Barbie has been in that seat before, as far as being a head coach. He has experience. He's been on Coach Kyle's staff for a few years now. And, you know, it's, it's going to be an easy transition for him because even having been being around Kenny, um, you know, you learn so much from, you know, one of your, one of your employees, you know, and I think uh, that's what made, has made Coach Cal have such a successful staff is that, you know, there's not a lot of turnaround. I think we talked about this in one of the other podcasts, uh, like Nick Saban. You know, Nick Saban has had so much turnaround from offensive coordinator to defensive coordinator. You know, every other year he's losing a really good – an important piece of his staff um, goes on to be a head coach. And, you know, you never want to prevent those guys from fulfilling their dreams or if a great opportunity, a better opportunity, paying more money, putting you um, as a head coach, which, you know, most of these guys are inspiring to be. I mean, you you can't you can just walk away from it. And um, for Tony just to step in, I think, is great for Cal. You know, he's very, very comfortable with him, um, you know, helping him make decisions. Uh, like you said, John Robick. Uh, has been with him for many years he trusts him on the scout he trusts him uh, scheduling games and then just uh, his tendencies uh, with players you know looking at that you know it takes a it takes a lot of time I don't think people realize um, how long it takes to do a scouting report and when I was with New Mexico State it made me look back at John Robick and said man that dude does a lot of work you know just only for the program but you know, it requires a lot of time away from your family. And Coach Cal is not a coach that's a micromanager, but, you know, as long as you're getting your job done, that's the most important thing for him. And, you know, he wants you to spend time with your family. Um, so that was the one thing our mind about Coach Cal was that, you know, we had a good balance between our family, families and basketball. And, you know, so many coaches who are lifers, they forget about your family.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Talked about how you know, Roby's doing the scouting and the scheduling, and he's the one that, that pretty much does it all the time. Some some guys are like let their assistants alternate. You know, this guy has it for this game. Yeah. this guy Has it for this game? As a player, does it matter who does it, or do you do you like prefer it be from the same coach every time, or are you cool with them mixing it up?
1: You know, it's it's, it's interesting you 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 ask that question because. Um... But I got a chance to do it in New Mexico. I mean, every scout, you feel like is it is your own. You know what I'm saying? So, as you watching film, breaking out, edit, um, you know, giving the, giving your players a scouting report so they can look over the tendencies, look over the play calling, uh, giving it to the coaching staff. But being so prepared and so locked in, it's, it's almost like you're the head coach or you're on the court playing. And you're trying to see, man, I've watched all this film. I'm trying to take their tendencies away. And it's tough uh, to do all those scouts by yourself. And even when I was at New Mexico State, and we were playing Indiana first round, and I knew Kentucky had played them earlier in the season. So pick up the phone, call, call Coach Robic. Coach Rob, can you send me a scouting report, man? He sent me, like, man, like, felt like about 50 to 60 pages. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, dude, we only got two days to prepare for, prepare for Indiana, you know? And I'm like, Coach, can you just, hey, can you cut, cut down to the chase? What are they going to run and he told me, he say, with uh, with Tom Kareem being, he say, he changes plays every five games. So when we play them, you know, we didn't we had to look at instead of your five main plays, you know, you're looking at ten, fifteen plays, and you don't know what ten, fifteen plays is going to run. And uh, you know, like I said, I just admired all the time he put in because you know it, it takes a lot of time just to watch game after game, and while you're watching game, you're trying to break down the edit, but also you're looking at personnel. You know, you still got to know personnel. Hey, what does this guy do? Is, is he better going left? Is he better going right? And what has helped some of the assistant coaches is is analytics, you know, just being able to kind of help you as far as, like, knowing the personnel, strength and weaknesses. And it, it has been a game changer. You know, I think it's harder for uh, former players, some older coaches to embrace. But it's, it's kind of like with the new generation um, – eyes are seeing more and more of these owners, you know, as they're hiring some of these uh, newer coaches or some of these coaches that are younger, you know, those young coaches are, you know, more involved with analytics than coaches that I played for. Mm.
0: I go back to the former player angle again. Now, since you mentioned, uh, Robic letting you know, kind of how Tom Crean did it. Uh, of course we've known him forever at Marquette and D Wade, and we don't need to bring up the, the bad memories of that O three. 3 Oh, man. Uh,
1: if if Bogut's if ankle is not turned and he's not – if he was 100%, I think Kentucky not only win that game, I think Kentucky cuts down the nets. That was a really, really good team that, uh, that Tubby had and probably would have been his his, his second title, you know, because I, I think, you know, like I said, you know, before we go too far, too deep into this dive, too deep into it, you know, NCAA tournament is really – it, it could be about bad matchups. And – you know, even that that Marquette team. You know, we lost the Marquette team. People forget about. You know, we kind of back in ninety ninety four. Uh, we would have been facing Duke in the Sweet Sixteen. I think Elite Eight. Turn around, Elite Eight, and we just kind of overlooked Marquette. We looked at looked at their, you know, look at look at their roster. I was like, man, who are these dudes? I don't know any of these dudes. You know, and I was like, ah, conference was okay. They had maybe eight nine losses, so it wasn't a lot of respect played uh, paid to that Marquette team. So you know. To your point, um, you know, kind of going back to, to, uh, to John Robick, man, I'm scouting reports are so important. You don't even think about it um, until you become a collegiate athlete because, of course, you don't do many in high school. But that's something that um, would always give me an edge, you know, always kind of gave me a comfort zone of knowing what players do, but also knowing basketball is still instinctive.
0: And then, you know, once Cream he left Marquette, he goes to Indiana. Honestly, I kind of thought he would have did a little better at Indiana <laughs> than, than what he did. And now to, when you say that he changes plays every five games, it makes me wonder, as a player, is it like, dude, how are we ever going to get in the rhythm when we change the plays every five games? Is that kind of maybe holding the team back a little bit?
1: You know, it, it can because, you know, it's it's already – I mean, you already have to, have to process a lot of information. Yeah. And this is what I try to tell my parents, you know, as I coach the Tony Duck Basketball Academy here in Atlanta, Georgia, is, you know, the kids are hearing so many voices right now. And although we're still trying to teach our fourth and fifth and sixth grade kids how to play organized basketball, just imagine on the collegiate level when you have your half-court plays, your zone plays, underneath out-of-bounds plays, side out-of-bounds play, press breaker, and now you're telling me, okay, that's, that's about 20, 20 plays within itself. Oh, okay, by the way, we have a new five plays. We're about to introduce you for the next five games. You know, so then you got to go back and learn all this, and really? you don't know when those, those previous plays are going to come back into play. So it's, to me, it's overthinking I, you know, at Kentucky what made us such a good team. We stuck to one offense. We stuck to one offense. We were really good at it. We knew how to use screens and be patient in certain situations. We had a really good fast break but our press caused a lot of turnovers mm-hmm. so those are little things that kind of helped us and then we you know we executed we took our time and when you have older players that's been in your system you know your system runs smoothly it, it, it's hard when you know I feel bad for coach Cal every year just the to, to turnaround man it's like man, you know what think about if you had some of those guys I'm not gonna even say three years I, I mean 82 years you know um you know, call Anthony Town, two years, you know, John Wall, two years. We can just try to get these guys to a second season just to see how good they would have been. And when you have a coaching staff, like you say, with with Tom Crean and some of these guys that that are life lifers the basketball is, you know, you really got to get the, the personnel you want as well as coaching staff and hoping that you can keep the, keep the coaching staff, keep the player for three or four years. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you see more success. I think that's what put us in line and win a championship uh, in 1996. I got a chance to experience the Final Four as a freshman. And, you know, I was thinking, man, we, man, Final Four, easy. we gonna get back there every other year. You know, I'm good. Man, it took us three years to get back to the Final Four. But we had seniors, you know, Walter McCarty, Mark Pope, uh, guys that had played in big games. So there wasn't a game when we got to NCAA, the NCAA tournament that I was afraid to play in. I was always excited about any game we played. And it's hard for freshmen knowing, okay, man, like one and done, one game, it's over with, you know. And, and I, I think my mindset was totally different because I really wanted to cut down the nets. And, you know, it, it meant something to me to be a senior and to go out on top.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm just thinking, yeah, it's tough for – it was tough for you to scout Indiana based on all that information. So it's tough for you to scout them, tough for you to defend them. But it's tough for them to, I think, adapt to that every five games. I just think now that you say that, that was just,
1: yeah, kind of, it is kind of, it, kind of it,
0: both I, ways,
1: yeah, <laughs> it it does cause, you know, like I said, players, um, players are rhythm players, you know, mm-hmm. I, and I think once you get into the rhythm, you get a good offense, you get a good flow. Um, that's what you are you know are, are accustomed to. and you got you you're gonna practice how you play. So if you're practicing trying to not make mistakes, trying to learn the plays, um you know, I think it makes for a tougher job for those guys, you know, and I think you got to be, it's one thing to be smart. Sometimes you can be too smart.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, speaking of smart, the listeners to this podcast need to take advantage and get themselves a nice time piece from lots rain. You've been repping them for a long time and now they signed on and are sponsoring the podcast. Dave Maggio Ben Patrick, the owner, the marketing dude, they do a great job. All over social media, La Terrain, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, they got several different types of variety of watches, Tony. So whatever right. your taste is, you can go there and find you something to put on your wrist.
1: Man, you got to get the compass with the blue band. You know, I'm I'm all I'm <laughs> all about the Kentucky Blue. When it's all said and done, when I talked to Dave, I sent him, sent him a text. I'm like, Dave, can you make this happen for me, man? And he was like, I got you. And within a couple of days, you know, Hey, he put out a blue band. Uh, it will be a great kiss, Christmas gift for, you know, husband, um, uh, a son, a uh, friend, a significant other, you know, there's a lot of time pieces to choose from. So lots of rain has done a great job. Not only with watches but um supporting our podcast. So, you know, we want to send them and share, share uh, their vision and, and let them know how much, you know, we love what they're doing for us and uh, we won't, we will continue to promote them on our podcast
0: absolutely so gift idea if you want to just treat yourself to a little something do something for yourself and get one and, and do it that way and tell them you heard about them on the believing kentucky podcast and for any other business owners or product owners you want to advertise on the show we would gladly promote your business or product on the believing kentucky podcast
1: i see so i see you have a Atlanta Braves shirt on, so here's my question to you. <laughs> the White Sox, they hired a coach by the name of Tony LaRusso. He hadn't coached in many, many years. Mm-hmm. What do you think about someone who has been out of the game for uh, for such a period of time, but also just the age, you know, just being a 70-year-old skipper, um, what, do, what do you think about, you know, uh, the White Sox hiring Tony LaRusso as their skipper, next skipper?
0: You've been hearing a lot of this. Was Reinsdorf. He, he, he managed the White Sox in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And Reinsdorf, his biggest regret is, is letting him go. He regrets that even more than breaking up the Bulls. That's what they're saying. <laughs> I'm serious. Oh, man. Come on, Jerry. Come on, Jerry.
1: Tell me. <laughs> tell me so.
0: They're saying the people within the organization are kind of scratching their head and not really feeling it, it. Mm -hmm. but he just kind of pulled rank. I'm the owner. I'm going to do what I want to do.
1: He can.
0: That's true. That's true. This team is, he's, LaRusso's old school. He he won a title with, with the Cardinals. He won one with the A's with Ken Seco and Maguire. He's been successful. But baseball is finally kind of getting a little young. Dudes, like, actually flip a bat when they hit home run. They show a motion oh, yeah. now. There's a little, excited, flavor, little flavor a little culture in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you guys from the Dominican, you got the Latin flavor, a little more flair. Right. And by all accounts, that's not really going to jive with him. And it looks like it's going to be some heads knocking with right. styles and approaches to how the game is played. And I, I, is he gonna be willing to bend? Is he gonna be willing to adapt? That's the question. And is he gonna be look? I'm successful. I'm stubborn. I'm setting my right. ways.
1: So, well, I mean, I I think what you're saying, everything you're saying is true. You know, I think it's it's harder for people who've been set in their ways, but also people who won championships. You know, and I think that's where you know looking back on um, what Coach K has done over his years, you know, winning the championship early in the 90s and, you know, winning one well into the 2000s. I mean, it's, it, it speaks volume for his mindset, his body at work, but he never left the game, you know what I'm saying? So I right. think it's easier when you still are in the game. But when you have left the game and you've been going for over, dec- over a decade or so and it's like, man, you've been raising, you know, grandkids and, yeah. you know, I know he said something about Colin Kaepernick in 2016 and, you know, he kind of... You know, has a a a different, a different answer, different um uh, output on that right now. And you know, when you can just, you know, reflect on what has happened um in the last couple of years, but mostly this year. You know, when you taking over a job, I mean, it's it's a it's a different kind of temperature this year when you ask those questions about the kneeling, the injustice, uh, Black Lives Matter. Like you have a lot more question to answer now than you would have back then because, you know, it wasn't as important as it would be for now, you know, would be now because of uh, what has happened this year and what has happened in the past. So it's, it's going to be interesting to me. Like I said, I, I just think, you know, gosh, man, that's a, you've been out that long, man. And you want to come back. I mean, that must not be no excitement for, for seven years old, seven year old people. Now I mean, we can't play no, no poker, no, uh, <laughs> what's called our uh, spades, uh domino. We can be we can be doing a lot of things, but man, you know what? Yeah. I hear Ryan Storfer, he writes a nice check. So <laughs> uh, Yeah. That will bring you out of retirement. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> How much? Okay, cool.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sound like
1: what Dolan did with uh with Phil Jackson, you know, Phil was like, Dolan, I don't wanna take your money, man. It's like eight million. Ah listen, man, I love being in Montana, 10, ten million. I'm not coming, man. I mean, you know, so it just it kept going up and up and it got to a number he just couldn't he just been not turn it down. He was like, you know what, man, I gotta go take this man money. You know what I'm saying? So he want to give it to me. Let me go take it, and and maybe that was a conversation, you know, or or maybe Jerry was older, and he wanted to have somebody to hang out with.
0: That's, that's yeah. Got to buy him a friend. <laughs> that's probably nailing it right there. Jay had to buy a friend. But <laughs> but and. I doubt it. it. It could just go smooth as silk too, but I really doubt it. I mean, who who knows?
1: It's, it's, it's gonna be tough, man. Like I said, I'm. Uh, they will be one of the teams that I'll be following this year, just to see, um, you know, how how well they do, and just you know how well he adapts, as you said, and just um, with them having so much young talent and good talent, how will they embrace him? Because one thing you have to do, no matter how long he's been out the game, you have to respect what he's done. You know, he is a World Series uh, winning coach, and that's something that, you know, you don't find it often. You know, it's kind of like trying to find an NBA championship or NBA champion coach. Uh, those coaches are hard to come by, so it's, it's it's like, you know, you are doing a lot of recycling, and I'm glad, you know, n- not to leave baseball, but, you know, going into the NBA, you know, a lot of a lot of positions have been filled, and some have been first, some have been uh, guys that are getting a second and third chance, so, you know, it, it's a opportunity for those people who are in sports right now to just, you know, take the game to another level, but just see the, the temperament of the game right now and see how they can change it and make it better.
0: Speaking of guys getting a, a first chance, you know, my, my Houston Rockets hired a first time coach, Steven Silas. Now, you know, I, I, I didn't research him as much as you, but he'd been paying his dues for a long time
1: Been around. He's been, he, he's been around. He's been around um, many years, to be honest with you. I got a chance to um, be coached by a dad, Paul Silas, when I got drafted by Charlotte Hornets. He was our assistant coach when Dave Calvin was the head coach. So, you know, when you look at a son of a coach, um, you know, it's about really putting him in the right situation. You know, he's very – you know, because Stephen going to be very knowledgeable about the game. You know, he's it's pretty much been his whole life. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you take these first jobs, you know, it's it's tough because – you're not getting a great job, you know, you're not inheriting what Steve Nash might've inherited up in um, with the Brooklyn Nets, you know, you, you're getting two really good players, but a really good young, young roster that perform well, you know, in the bubble, but just in the playoff. And you can just see, see some of those guys, those younger players turn the corner. But for Steven, it's really about, you know, what kind of offense will you be able to run? You know, that's what I'm interested to see. Um, any coach who's going to take that job with, with James Harden and, and and Russell Westbrook, like, that's a, that's a tough job, man. Two ball-dominant guys uh, that are two alpha males, that's what made that job, you know, I don't know whether you would give it to a younger dude, someone who had paid their dues or brought a, a elder statements back. It was – of all the jobs that were available, that was probably the most intriguing one that I was just – I was following, you know, I was reading about. I was, you know, trying to see man, who, man, who, who are they interviewing for this this Houston job? Like, who, who's some of the candidates? You know, but, you know, Stephen getting a chance, man, is great for him. I know he will do the best that he can possibly do. Um, he got a challenge on his hand, though. He has a real challenge. I think Daryl Morey, who I thought left the team and, and shambled, you know, left him with no bigs. You know, how how are you in this in this uh in this environment that league? Where you gotta have some height, some guys that can stretch the floor, some rebounders, some some guys that can protect the rim. You give rid of all your bigs. And not only give rid of all your bigs, you go get another job. And you get five more years to go, you know, be to be the president of the basketball operation. I'm thinking to myself, like, man, didn't didn't he just mess up a team? And oh yeah, they went to the playoff for, you know, quite a few years. But um, you know, I still I still think it's 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 a tough gig, you know, being a GM. And I think it's even tougher when you inherit a a team that's not that good, but also you inherit superstars. So that's going to be, I don't think, like I said, they will respect him, but it's different when someone has already been coached, you know, and now he has to find his connection with these guys, Mm -hmm. you know, because now yeah, he's been a long time assistant. We all know who he is, but now you are the head man Mm -hmm. and things kind of change. You're not that, you're not that super, You're not a, a assistant coach that the superstar goes to when he he kind of vents to you know you to do now. You know it's like oh gosh, you know mm-hmm. I'm making a decision right now, mm-hmm. and um, you know we'll see how it goes. And
0: I'm I haven't seen who they've got as a GM yet. I'm interested to see who that's gonna be to work with Silas, and then approach the roster. How are they gonna do it? I haven't. I don't think they've hired a GM, and I'm wondering who's going who that's gonna be too.
1: Well, you well, you know, it's it's funny you said that because, like, even looking at Philly, I thought Philly went in reverse, you know. It's kind of like they hired, you know, Daryl Morey later, you know, when, okay, I don't think they knew that Houston was going to release some or let's say he decided to to walk away, um, you know, because you want to have a connection with president, GM, and coach, you know, because nine times out of ten, what do they do? They hire friends or, or people that they're comfortable with or that they know they trust. And, you know, Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers, how are they going to coexist? You know, to me, two guys with two different personalities, um, you know, seems like, let's go back to what Daryl Morey said about China that cost the league hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, I always say mind your own business, especially when you're talking about the business uh, of another country. That's That's not your fight. And then, like I said, Doc Rivers, you know, just being a, a championship winning coach, but not getting the job done with the Clippers. Mm. I mean, he he had talent, you know, he's, he had, he's had talent every year he's been there and granted Golden State was really, really good um, at a bad time for him and injuries. He was plagued with injuries every playoff, but he's really getting some talented players with um, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, Mm. uh, Tobias Harris. So, you know, three guys that I think are the cornerstones of the team and, we don't know what Daryl Morey might do. Man, he might trade Tobias. He might trade Joe M B. We don't know. Mm. Who knows? He might and, go small ball. <laughs> and
0: E B is still there at the GM though. And he I mean,
1: is it too many, too many chefs in the kitchen, T D? Hey man, that, that, that's a tough man. You know what? When Daryl got that job, man, I, I felt bad for him. man. I was like, okay, man, dude, you know, cause I'm sure they I'm sure they they cross path, but I, I haven't known of those guys having history one another, you know. And so normally, when the president bring in someone, you know, it's, it's someone he's worked with, someone he, who's been assistant under him. Um, so it's gonna be tough to see what they do this year, you know. I, I still thought two years ago they 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 should have, um, you know. I like Tobias, I like his game, uh, good player, but Jimmy Butler just a different just a different animal, man. Like I, I just. Like like El well, should have been and and it, and it's a tough decision, you know. If I had to choose between Philly and Miami. Philly, <laughs> Miami. Hmm.
0: Cheesesteaks in South Beach. Cheesesteaks, yeah. South Beach.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I would have been done with the cheesesteaks. I'm just gonna let you know right now, man. Like I'm not turning down that good weather, you know. Man, come on, man. You you can't just you can't beat Miami, I mean. Come on, man, and and then you got the Godfather. Now you got the Godfather. that can they can put rings on every finger when he when he shows up and be like, "Listen, this is what I've done
0: mm-hmm. in my
1: time as a player, coach, radio announcer, mm-hmm. GM, president. I've you want to look at it? Yeah, I've done it all. I've won championships, you know. And to me, that that sells, man. That that sells. The end of the day, I think that was that was how he got LeBron. He he got Chris Bosh to come over. Was that you know he had you know you you want to you want to be a part of a winning organization but also um a coast and a gm a president that has a mindset that has a vision you know to make this something like that happen i think that's to me that's huge you know it's just huge and even as you see daryl morgan gets another job it's like man you know they could have just hired someone else and just moved on from him and been like this is how we're going to do it because also in philly remember it, it was the process that was going on too
0: Mm-hmm. That was going
1: on for a while. I'm like the process. Like, what's <laughs> That's right. The process. Y'all wasting time right now. Y'all wasting draft picks and paying yeah. paying all these guys all this money. Come on, stop playing around.
0: That's it. And you mentioned you mentioned Brooklyn earlier, and you mentioned a lot of guys like to hire people they're comfortable with, familiar with. Steve Nash brought on former Rockets coach Mike D'Antoni. To the <laughs> so uh, head coach, he coached. Steve and Phoenix for yeah. all those years. I'm sure Steve's going to lean on him quite Absolutely. a bit this coming season.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's good to get a coach you play for, a coach that's been successful um, for a few years now that you can just talk to and kind of bounce things off his head, you know. And I think that's what's going to help Steve be a really good coach is that he hired good people. He hired people that he had a work relationship with, that he played with, and he coached with. And to me, those are, those are the best relationships because those people care about you. You know what I'm saying? And when you care about somebody, you want to see them be successful. You know, if, if Walter McCarty had a job, he hired Tony Duck, you know, he's going to get the best Tony Duck he's possibly to be because, you know, I, I can't let my man fail. You know, that's just, that just how I am. You know, if I'm a friend and we're in business and I can do things to help you out, that's what I'm going to do. And I think the people he hire are people that really care about Steve. Uh, he's helped them make a lot of money. And, you know, we just return the favor right now. Whatever you need, coach, I'm, I gotta, I, I'm gonna do it. Sky report, you know, um, and those are the things that when, it, when you hire people, uh, I know I've said this before, you gotta be quick to fire, slow to hire. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you gotta take your time in this. You know, you wanna, cause you know, you don't, everyone uh, doesn't have the chance to get it right. You know, some people get it right the first time, some people it takes two or three times. Some people only get one chance, and that's it.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, did you – look, you've been on Coach Cal's staff, in Mexico State. Uh, did you have the itch to go ahead and pursue a head coaching gig, or are you just like, I, I'm an assistant, I tried it out, or maybe I'll try it again later, or
1: uh-huh. – Time is ticking, man. Time is ticking. I, hey, I wish I had another 10 or 50 more years to kind of figure this thing out. I, I really do enjoy it. I. I get a chance to do it probably a few times during the week with my um with my sixth grade team. I'm helping out with the sixth grade girls and boys, um, uh, helping out with seventh grade, just helping out with all these different grades and just really um filling their heads with knowledge, you know, and just talking to them and just coaching them the best I can. You know, it's 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 tough. Like I said earlier, you know, when you got you got parents that are coaches, parents that are referees, um, Parents that are mentors, parents that have played the game, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to be parents because at the end of the day, they're going to spend more time with the kids than you are. You know, but what I would tell my kids and I try to tell the kids is like, listen, you know, here's a question. Here's a million dollar question. The person that you're talking to, ask them what level did they get to? Mm-hmm. And that'll answer a lot of questions because daddy, mom, if you were so good, why didn't you make it? <laughs> Why didn't you get a scholarship? Why? Why, why didn't you play in the NBA or the WNBA? You know, I, I mean, and, and that's what those this generation, you know, they're they're intelligent like that. You know, they would they you know be like, okay, well, I'm looking right now, Dad, and you average you was on the bench, you averaged like five points, two rebounds, one assist as as a senior, and there's a reason why you didn't get a scholarship. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, they'll call your butt out. But once again, I, I really think you know when it comes to coaching, um. Definitely not going nowhere where it's cold. You know, it would have to be Atlanta and and, and more south, I think. But um, when it comes down to it, I mean, I, I'm always going to have a love and a good feel for it. It would have to be the right staff. Um, I really would want to be a head coach, and I would hire my assistant coach. I want to – I've already been an assistant coach, so I don't want to go back to being something that, I, that I've already been. I mm. mean, give me, give me a new challenge.
0: Yeah. I got to ask you, too, you know – Season just ended. Lakers just cut down the nets. Won the championship in the bubble, and the target date to restart the season is December the twenty second. Mm. Looking like possibly a seventy or seventy two game season. That quick of a turnaround. What? How you think guys are feeling? How would you feel if you just had a deep playoff run here in October and then we starting again? Normally, you know you know, the Christmas Day games, you know, when the season starts in yeah. November and casual fans start watching after Christmas, after college football's over and all that. Now the season just ends in October and December 22nd is kind of this target date for the 2021 season to start again. I
1: don't know. You know, that's uh, – I mean, it's not a tough question. is really how many years have you played? Like, you know, these guys did get, get a few months off during the pandemic. You know, uh, so mm-hmm. – you gotta factor those months in. Yeah, you were stuck in the bubble and you was isolated and that probably was a tough experience for for most people. And you probably need about six to eight weeks off. And most of us guys, we take that time, we're ready to come back and play. You know, trust me, man. I I whenever the season ended, we wasn't one to come down to that we we didn't win a championship. You know, I would take about a week off to detox the brain and think about a few things and we too man, I'm back playing. You know, I'm like let's let's get this thing on. You know what I'm saying? And I think a lot of younger players are definitely like that. Someone like LeBron, who'll be going into his 18th and 19th season, mm-hmm. you know, he 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 would definitely need uh the month of December off and and probably come back in January, but he also know time is ticking on him too. So you can't take too many days off unless, you know, and, and unless you have something else in mind, but knowing LeBron he wants to be the all-time league scorer. And missing games, you know, won't allow that to happen. But if you play in all your games, average a certain amount of points in, in your 20s, uh, you don't get hurt. He'd know in the next two or three years he's, it, he will be second and he will be close to being first. Mm-hmm. And if I'm LeBron, you know, it's I definitely want to win one more championship if possible. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what the Lakers do with Rondo and Dwight Howard, because I'm also hearing, I don't know how much money they have. I'm hearing that Clippers really won't uh, won't Rondo, Ooh. so it's gonna come down to dollars. Who has the most money? Because if I'm if I'm running right now, you know I know how I play. I'm a two-time NBA champion. I know two teams in LA want my services, <laughs> and I'm trying to get the most money, man. Because I'm 34, I'm looking at at least. Man, what, two or three good years? And, and we know, we know Rondo's, I do, he usually miss about 15 to 20 games, you know, with some type of injury. Mm-hmm. So really, you're getting it for 50 games, and then you're getting playoff Rondo. And I will take playoff Rondo any time over playoff P. So get <laughs> to between playoff P, playoff Rondo. Which one are you choosing?
0: That's right. It's <laughs> almost like Cheesesteak South Beach again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> True story. True story, man. I never heard a man call himself a playoff P, man, and, and, and fizzle out, man. I'm like and – I, and I like Paul George. I'm like, man, hey, man, you first of all, don't even put that kind of pressure on yourself, man. you not that dude. You know, you, you're you you a really good player, but it, it's too much pressure, especially in the bubble, you know, where you didn't get a chance to see family and friends until later, man. It's, I mean, that makes it tough, man. And then you have a bad game, and guess what? You turn on TV, man, they talking bad about you, man. You know what I'm saying? Hey, hey, you pick up your phone, check Twitter, Instagram, they talking bad about you, man. So it's like, you know what, man, I just want to go lay down. You know what I'm saying? But it's really tough on players like that when you put yourself out there and then you don't perform.
0: And, look, everybody hates to lose. Everybody's a competitor. You talked about him on the podium when the Clippers lost. How some of the some of the whack answers they was given back <laughs> when he was with OKC. When when Damian Lillard hit the thirty five footer to send them home, and then waved at him, <laughs> he gonna get up on the podium after that and say, "Well, that's a bad shot." You, you can't say, it. "Look, come
1: he, on, you man,
0: you can't say that." So,
1: hey, so, hey sometimes hey, you can be delusional after the game, man. You know what I'm saying? Like. You, it's almost like you had a Bud Light or or a shot and you had a glass of wine. I'm like, "Dude, the dude said you you understand dude, your season's over with? I don't care if, I don't care if you took the shot from 80 feet. The shot went in. You're mm-hmm. taking your ass home. You know what I'm saying? And that's
0: yeah. that's just
1: how it is, you know, but you have to face reality and know who you are. Mm-hmm. So although you might be reading the play, uh, press clipping and, and you might in your mind think, "Man, you know what? I don't know why" I'm not performing to the level that, that, that I know I'm capable of, of performing at. Like I said about scouting reports, dude, they know your game. Mm-hmm. So unless you have counter moves, you, you, you have great instinct, it's really hard when you're not an elite talent like LeBron, who's done it for so many years, man. I mean, what, what, I mean, what, he, what, what we've seen in LeBron, you probably won't see again, maybe not in our lifetime. You know, that's saying that's about, about 30, 40 years to me. Mm-hmm. About 40 50 years for you man maybe 60 you might you might look like you might a little be 100 man so yeah,
0: i'm 80? checking out
1: hey i'm I'm trying to get to my 80s man and be cool but <laughs> um but just what he's done in this amount of time and in this many years lebron man it, it is remarkable just how his body is held up and that's what that's that's what i say uh the reason why i said it is you know i think that's gonna put him in position you know to be the all-time lead scorer because he is taking excellent care of his body. And that's something different. That if I could do all over again, I probably wouldn't have played so much basketball in the summertime. I would have taken time off to rest my legs, to rest my mind, to rest you know my 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 body. And so many times, what I'm seeing now is that that's what these guys are doing. These guys are working out. They hire trainers. Um, they you know nutrition. So they do a lot of a lot of things by themselves. You know, and the one thing that that you want in this game is longevity. Longevity pays well. If you check out early, you're not get a lot of that money, man. Because there's, there's a lot of green out there. So the longer you stay around, you find your niche, and you do what you need to do, you be good and good on, on and off the court, you know, you're going to have a job. And that's just how um, a lot of these players are wired. They know that.
0: And to your point, as far as the restart, a, a lot of guys might be – feeling the same way you feel. This this New York Post article from yesterday says that the NBA Players Union is negative on the league's idea of starting on December 22nd. So maybe some of them are, are not really wanting to turn around and, and start back that quick and kind of get a little more rest and, and rest for the legs and the mind like you're talking about.
1: Well, also, I think you have to, um, you know, find out are you going back to the bubble? Are you doing the arenas? You know, how many fans are going to be allowed? Like, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of protocol, a lot of, a lot of steps that need to be taken before. If I'm a player, I feel comfortable stepping on the court. The bubble made, the bubble made them safe. You know what I'm saying? Like how many times can you have that many men, that many teams and no one tests positive. Mm-hmm. So it speaks volume for the staff in in, in Orlando, uh, Adam Silver having a plan sticking with the plan, and most importantly, the coaching staff and the players executing that plan. Because you can have a great plan, but it might not get executed. But they did a, 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 a tremendous job of staying focused. And then, you know, most important, like I said, they follow his lead. He was all about, you know, safety and what we have to do here. We testing him every day, um, have you guys here. So if I'm a player, I feel like he, he protected us. You know, they say in football, fall on the shield, you know, hey, that dude put the NBA player in the safest environment that they could have been in for a few months. Absolutely.
0: And I I forgot last week, and I was about to forget again, but uh, Dave from La Terrain had a question. I put out a tweet a few weeks ago. If you got questions for Tony Depp, send them in. We'll get to him on future episodes of the podcast. Um, Dave put one in and as I also, I got to remember every episode of this podcast is getting posted on a sea of blue.com. We had Jason Markham on last week. He's putting those, these episodes up on their website and we are grateful to him for doing that. But Dave's question, Dave from my question for you was if there was one rule in the NBA that you could change, if you were Adam Silver for a day, what rule would you change? in
1: the nba you know what I, I was i thought about this and i really like the the when the ball is on the cylinder you can be able to knock the ball off like i've always thought that was something neat is when the ball is like overseas they allow you to either tap dunk it in or just knock it off the rim so if you have a a a touch shot on, on your on, on your jumper it might hit bounce Hit the back of the uh, back of the glass, the back rim. We don't know, and then somebody just knock it out. So, I think that is something I would probably change and and implement and just insert it into the game. I, you know, I've always, even when I played the one year overseas, you know. I was always trying to knock somebody ball off the rim you know it, it was fun for me to try to jump at a high and be like man it's bouncing around Let me knock this ball off the rim you know start a possession some mm-hmm. some you know some of the great shot blockers like an ad uh going back in the day bill russell just some of these guys they know how to use their god gift of talent
0: that's it makes a lot of sense that and that's that's truly protecting the rim. i mean it's not in there Keep yep. in going <laughs> in.
1: Yep. But, but just think about this, though. Think about a last-second shot and the ball bounce and you just knock it off the rim.
0: Wow.
1: So, yeah. then so they don't have that possession, you know. So, it, it makes you – do you become a, a cleaner shooter or just you got to keep uh, shooting your shot? But, you know, there's so many so many rules, but I, I really do love where the game is at right now. You know, I, I kind of wish uh, going back to college, you know, one of the rule changes, somebody asked me about that one. There was a, a couple. I wish you can advance the ball. That would be great, and you know just the physicality of the game. Maybe moving the shot clock down a few extra seconds, you know, just to speed the game up. Um, but back to the NBA, you know, there, I think Adam Silver has done such a great job of just the league when he took over. Um, you know, when he he came in at at a, whew, at a hot time. You know, it, it was a time where like the social injustice was was just taking place with with Donald Sterling and he came in and he shut it down. You know what I'm saying? He was like, you got to sell the team. Like we are not going to have your type of ownership in my league. You know, what happened in David Stern league is between you and David Stern, but in my league unacceptable. And, you know, players really were behind it. We really respected that, you know, even former players like, wow, and he came in and addressed them, and he was like, "Man, this how it's gonna be." I was like, "Man, sign me up!"
0: Yeah, he sure did. That was. Every, all eyes were on him as soon as he got the job, and and he handled it well. He sure did. He sure did. Um, aside from shaking this the man's hand on draft night, did you have any other interactions with David Stern throughout your career?
1: No, you know what? It's funny because even. On draft night, I didn't even go to the draft. You know, they had me being a a top 15, top 20 pick. And, but for some reason, uh, I didn't go to the pre-draft that was in Chicago. I didn't go to it. And, you know, I guess somebody, somebody was upset. I didn't show up. They was like, well, you know what? We're not going to invite you to the, to the group. I'm like, okay, cool. I didn't care. You know, I was like, man, I want to spend time with my mom and dad and my brother and sister, so. I knew I was going to be drafted, um, and it was it was kind of crazy that I was at home and I had worked out for probably about seven or eight teams. I had two workouts with Charlotte, uh, Cleveland. At that time, had lost Brad Doherty and I think uh, Hot Rod Williams. So I knew they were going. They had two picks in the first round, so I knew they were going with two big. And Charlotte was kind of interesting because they didn't have at the time they didn't have a coach. You know, they were in the process of hiring a coach. Um, so when 13 came, and I didn't know Kobe. I mean, I can't even lie to you, like I had no idea who Kobe was. You know, we had, you know, we won a championship, you know. I'm like, dude, it doesn't get any bigger than being playing at Kentucky, being the number one team to start to start the year off and cut down the nets and you know, to win that MOP award. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, who's this dude? So, you know, (laughs) went on and a couple picks after that. And I was drafted 16th. I was like, okay, cool. Charlotte's gonna be a nice place for me. But <laughs> it's a business, man. You know, I was like there for a year and about five games, and got traded to the the Golden State Warriors. Not the Golden State Warriors that we watching now. It was a bad Golden State Warrior team. I was like, oh my god, dude! Like, I can't, I can't wait to get out of here. It was kind of like, because when you come from a winning organization or the program, winning program, um, and even my first year, you know, we won in Charlotte. We lost in the first round to the uh, New York Knicks. So I was all about winning, man. I went about going to no bad team, losing. I'm like, man, why am I here? And matter of fact, when I was there, they might have been 0-9 or 0-10. They ain't not won any games. I'm like, I have won games. I won four games before – four or five games before I got here with Charlotte. So my record is not not y'all record. My <laughs> record starts when I get here. <laughs> I'm not – hey <laughs> – Hey, hey, them 10 losses, I'm not a part of them ten losses. That's y'all, that was a part of y'all dudes are part of responsible. That was those 10 losses, not me. Um, so I I came, you know, I had just a different attitude, man. You know, and I think just coming from a winning program and having success as a rookie my first year going and being a starter. I was a starter in the three games we played against the New York Knicks. So, you know, I had I was like, man, I'm ready for this. Um so it's 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 interesting how how the league operates though, you know, just from the standpoint of david stern to adam silver and just how the game changed from when i was in the game to where it's at now you know it was such a physical game to i'm like man i played it i played and i was pretty successful i did okay you know i could have done better but this this game right now this landscape of basketball is tailor made I, I wish my mom had had me like in man and and 1999 or something man 2001 you know my like, gosh you had me 1974 seventy four. I'm like it's <laughs> not all this money just how the game is i'm yeah. probably gonna play it about 13 to 14 years in this league yeah. you know just because i'll tell you what it what it what it what it does it preserves your body and for you know and that's one of the reasons we, we've seen more and more players play longer you know you think about Vince Carter, I made mean, 20 plus years Dirk DeWiskey, 20 years. Kobe Bryant, 20 years. Derek Fisher, like, 17, 18 years. I'm like, man, like, what happened? Mm -hmm. Man, when when I came in, you drove to the basket, it was a beatdown. There was no, like, there was no flagrant fouls. It was like, it was considered a hard foul. Not a foul where, man, you get hit and, you know, they go to the munch, they look at it. Oh, (laughs) you got a flagrant, too. You know, then on top of that, you get kicked out of the game. Then they send you a nice pink slip. It's mm. gonna cost you about fifteen, twenty thousand. Like what? Just no. that, for a hard foul, man. Come on. None of
0: that. Who was your coach when you got to Golden State? Was it Musselman?
1: Oh no, dude. I had Scott Skiles, Man, I, I, oh. I was I was a huge fan of Scott Skiles. Okay, he let me do my thing. You know, he he called me Buck. He was like, "Man, go in, do what you got to do." And um, he didn't hold. He, he's one of the few coaches that. Let me play to my game. You know, there, there was a couple other coaches where you know you got a chance to really, really, really see Tony Duck. see see what Tony Duff was about. I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was being held back. I had to play behind this guy. Um, he let me shine. You know, I wish I could have stayed there longer. We ended up losing that year. We ended up losing Jason Kidd in a trade to New Jersey uh, for Stephon Marbury. You know, so oh. it, it was a change for me. That was uh, a. Yeah, I know. When I left Sacramento, you know, I really was going to play with Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd, and I wanted to be coached by Scott Skiles. And, man, we only did it for a year. You know, and I think that, that would have really – you know, my career would have been different, you know, if I had stayed there because I had – it was a city that I loved. a city that I loved. Um, I wanted to play with Jason. I wanted to be coached by Scott Skiles. And so, for me, it was tailor-made for what I was looking for. I think when I left Sacramento, um, you know, I could have stayed there. They just didn't have um, the years for me to stay there. And and Phoenix offered me, you know, a better deal for more years. But Sacramento was so nice. But going, you know, Phoenix, you know, when you when you kind of get everything you want from, you know, being able to play with the play with a player that you enjoy, a player that complements your game, a coach that knows your game, and a city that I've always wanted to live in. Man, come on, dude. I, I was, for about a year and some games, yeah. I was in heaven.
0: That yeah. was
1: basketball heaven for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, who was your? Who was the coach when you got to Golden State, when you couldn't I, wait to leave? Who was that? Was that And
1: hey, You already know I couldn't wait to leave, man. <laughs> who,
0: who was your coach? Hey, we had, uh,
1: man, P.J. Carlissimo. Oh,
0: gosh. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh,
1: okay. quick say, hey, quick, uh, hey, I'm gonna tell you a story now. So, okay, I had been there for about two weeks, and, and we, we were playing the Lakers at the Forum. We were getting blasted, man. We were getting we was getting beat by about they probably thirty pieces in us, man. I'm like, gosh dang! I see, I see the reason why y'all are such a bad team. And I remember, uh, I think I had to go in the game for free will. So free walked by pj he was like man he said you're effing joke man and just kept on walking i'm like that's kind of that's kind of weird man but you know the way you talk to him you know i was like okay cool but you know and and it went on for about two weeks man. they were just going back and forth uh you know he threw spree out of practice once or twice and spree was like man i'm gonna mess that dude up one of these days man i'm like yeah okay cool so we're at practice and you know, we're we're in a shooting drill. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, PJ is, you know, he's, he's, he's being PJ. He's one of them, you know, one of college coaches that's kind of like, you know, being a dictator screaming at players. And <laughs> he picked the wrong day, man. Spree wasn't happening. <laughs> and, and you pretty much know the rest. For those who don't know, just look it up, man. Spree, Spree got fined for about on 60, sixty plus games. A year. He missed a lot of games, lost a lot of money, man. But yeah. hey, <laughs> I'm not gonna say it was, I'm not gonna say I condone it, but I do understand. I I I, I wasn't one of the ones that was stopping him from from uh, putting his hands on it. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, sometimes you, you yeah, you look back and be like, you deserve that. You know what I'm saying? Like you know you you had or, or you know what you say you had that coming to you you know and you don't feel bad so i i think you know it was a sentiment of all of us we all felt that like dude you just be glad he got to you you know i I think the rest the rest of us probably were feeling that but you know it it, it was a a different way of um dealing with men that i don't think mm. you know he was used to you know or or he was or you know he had done it for so long you know he was like this is the way I coach and I can't change but in saying that man you know PJ you know was an unbelievable dude off the court like he's a guy you can sat down and talk with I think he just went to a different person as a coach you know and even after the incident it really changed him I think he he became uh, more relatable um, and then I, then I think then I think he he just coached differently you know I think he was he was such a a college coach, is my program, uh, this is how I speak to you, you know, you got to respect me, I've done this. And it's, it was a player's league then, just like it is now. And I don't think he understood that when he took over the job because Spree was our best player. He was our highest-paid player. Um, you know, he had, been, he had been an all-star at that time. And, you know, he was just trying to come in and, you know, be the alpha coach. And it just wasn't that time, man. We wasn't – when you're a bad team, and you hadn't won any games. And at that time, I think we might have won. We was like one in like 12 or 13. You know, it's man, we all we all were upset. You know, even me having have even gotten somewhere, else, I'm like, man, dude, this gonna be this is the worst season that I think I've ever had as a player, you know. And plus El Nino was going on, it was raining like every day. I just got traded out there. I'm still still living in the hotel. But you know, I will tell you this, nothing beats California, though. Once El Nino was over I was like, hey man. I see reason why people don't leave California. California is is like Miami. West Coast Miami.
0: Even even northern like northern NoCal.
1: North NoCal, you know, cuz you get you get different weather, you know. You you might get you might leave. This was so crazy. I went and watched the San Francisco Giants play at Candlestick back in the day. Right. It was I'm not lying to you. My friend, Antoine Spillman, I know he's going to be listening to this podcast. You're going to have to – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to text you where to find it. At. So, Antoine and I went to, you know, the game, San Francisco Giants. I'm like, man, you know, we get there. It was probably, I want to say, like, 65. When we left, dude. it was like 30 degrees. Like, we – I almost had to buy a scarf. I was, like, looking for someone to be selling a, a jacket, a coat. Uh, and then we, we, we crossed the Bay Bridge, come back over, and it's like 75-80 in Oakland. You know, we, so we talking about the Bay Bridge separating San Francisco and Oakland and how the weather went from like 30 to 75, man. It, it, was, it was unreal. But, you know, you get, you get a chance to see so much in the Bay Area. Like I really love you know, living in Oakland, um, getting a chance to visit San Francisco, playing one year in Sacramento. I really enjoyed NoCal, and, uh, you know, whenever we we visited Southern California, you know, it's, I mean, the weather's great. Only thing I hated about Southern California is the traffic.
0: Mm -hmm. Everything
1: else I like, I love. That traffic, oh, my God. It's a
0: beast out there.
1: Ridiculous.
0: Hey, uh, on a positive note for, I guess, everybody, is is everybody down there happy that the Falcons finally won last night, or are they sad (laughs) that – they might not get Trevor Lawrence now since they won.
1: <laughs> I know, man. Tra- Trevor Lawrence, you know what? It's funny because Trevor was talking about he he might stay. I'm like, dude, what what you stand for? You would already won the national championship. You're mm-hmm. gonna be number one draft pick. Uh, what are you stand for? Stay to do what? There's nothing else to be accomplished and to be done. Uh, but if I'm him, I might I might pull Eli Manning. You know, if, if the Jets were to draft me, um, <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't go. I'm I'm telling you, man. It, it just it, it's a bad and has been a bad organization for a few years. Mm -hmm. And it starts at the top because a lot of time when you look at these organizations and franchises is you want to see who the owner is, how much involvement he has, and then just how many coaches and general managers and presidents. I mean, is he constantly hiring and firing people? Like no one has stability. So it's like, what coach do you hire? You know, you go back and, you know, you look at like a bill. Like you know, it'd be crazy if, if he were to bring it like a Bill Parcell back. You know, somebody, somebody old, somebody real old school. You know, you know, if if, if the White Sox brought Tony La back, man, come on, man, Jimmy, Jimmy Johnson. I mean, you, you got you got great great elder 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 coaches out there, but you know, I mean, I would shock the world. I'd be like, you know what, man, let let me hire somebody, somebody that that's that's totally different, that's out of the box. Yeah, totally out of the box. Yeah. And if I'm Trevor Lawrence, same thing. I I just don't think I w- I want to play for that for that organization. I just don't. Mm-hmm.
0: I would, I wouldn't argue with it. L A. Man, we we talked about the Lakers. The Dodgers jump right in and do handle their business in the World Series. L A. is Title Town right now. I don't I don't know it if is, the, man. the Chargers can follow suit, but the the Lakers and Dodgers did their thing.
1: They did, man. You know. um, watching game 6 and and we saw somebody Snell was a hot pitcher you know he had man he had struck out 9 and he and there's there's a hit and you got he got scared i'm like dude see that's analytics right there yeah. and and maybe you know what i'm i'm hoping it's not analytics i'm just hoping that you know he made a move based on he had a great bullpen but he didn't have a great bullpen but even though you got that hot hand, you know, you got, you got to ride that. I'm not saying you got to ride it to the eighth or the ninth, but I think he had enough juice to get through, you know, that ending, the sixth ending, you know, and then, then you make that change, you know, but, um, you know, that's going to be, that's, that's going to be a play that's probably, uh a call that's going to hunt him for some time, you know, just not, and, and not saying they would have won, you know, I, I thought, you know, Mookie Betts was the best player, and you know you see why they gave the man three hundred million dollars. I mean, he made some incredible catches against the Braves. You know, probably stopped them from going to the World Series because you know you take a couple of those catches back. I mean, I, I think the Braves are you know the Rays and the Braves are are in the World Series against one another. But you know, when you pay a pay a, a player that kind of money, you know he delivers. You know, and and just after the game, just hearing him, hearing him speak, it would just say, you can just tell a, a genuine, a really good guy, a uh, good teammate, mm-hmm. and, you know, you want to see guys like that be successful.
0: Yeah, and as bad a man as Mookie is, and the, the Rays were familiar with him from playing them when he was with the Red Sox, you know, yep. 18, 20 times a year in that same division. They interviewed Mookie after it was over. They asked him about you know, what he thought about Snell coming out. And he basically said, thank you.
1: Because
0: <laughs> hey, the, the Dodgers knew they couldn't touch that dude. They, like,
1: they could man. He was ahead. hot. And, and, and plus, you know this, like, Mookie struggled with left-hand pitches. Mm-hmm. So it's like, so like, like I said earlier, man, sometimes you can be too smart. You know what I'm saying? Like, sometimes coaches, skippers, managers, they can be too smart sometimes. Like, I'm all about, I mean, I like analytics. I mean, I've kind of bought in more now uh, over the last couple of years, but I'm still a feel, what my eyes are seeing, the chemistry, you know, I gotta ride with that man until something changes. You know what I'm saying? And I think coaches overthink the situation. And and you you only get, you know, a few opportunities to make moves in a game and, and make that chess move where it, it either catapults you. Or you know, it's a move where you'd be like, "Man, I shouldn't. I should have made that move," and you regret the move. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's always a, a tough decision to take someone who has a hot hand, bring in a bullpen, and although they're pitching in the bullpen, it's not the same as pitching to someone that's already been hit and it's already warmed up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I just, you know, like I said, it's it's tough, man. It's it's, it's really tough. Uh, for those managers to make those decisions, but you know, you could just tell the Dodgers man, they was, they was on cloud nine. when I was like, oh my god, he's leaving, like you got to be kidding me, because <laughs> they, because they knew me from from the manager to to, to the players. Like, you just know when somebody got your number. I mean, it's it, it's a night when, you know, uh, offensive player, basketball, football, quarterback. You know, he just picking your part. Uh, basketball man, dude, just hot he can't miss pitching man where he just man he's striking everybody out to come up to the plate i i see that with my eyes man i i, I can't miss that
0: you gotta gotta ride with that until you know if somebody gets a hit off of that guy well okay i tip my hat because he was bringing it but i'm I'm, I'm gonna roll with him until somebody from the dodgers actually shows that they can get a hit off of him until right. then, I'm, I'm gonna ride with him and uh,
1: you know. I'm I'm going I'm I'm going down with my best pitcher man. That that's that's how that's how I operate. Like if I'm going down dude, I'm going down with the sinking ship, knowing that okay, you know, he he like I said, he already had a 1-0 lead, so I'm not saying he had a th- a 3-1 cushion or a two a two-point cushion, but you know, he still was he was hot though. You know what I'm saying? Like you just you you just don't get that against a hot team and a hot team with really, really good hitters. You know, when you get to you get to the World Series, especially like I said, probably the last three or four years, the Dodgers have been, you know, probably like you know, if if not the second best team, you know, they've definitely been like you know one of the top three teams, you know, in MLB, yeah. and you know, just to add Mookie Betts, man, I mean, it was huge that they were able to get him in off season and make that trade happen. But you know, you really you need, you need a player like that, and even going to the NBA is is kind of like what. um what the Lakers did to, to get AD. You know, are you trying to keep future future picks, future draft picks, trying to develop players? Or are you trying to get a player that is already established and we know what he can do, and especially he's already established on a team that, you know, he's the best player, he's still putting up numbers. Now, you imagine putting him with LeBron James, them two guys together? Come on, man. You, we already knew something special was going to happen, and, and, and whether the Clippers – you know, we can make all these excuses. The chemistry was bad. They wanted out of the bubble. This player did this. Man, the Lakers was gonna beat that ass. I, I, I just, I just, they had, like I said, LeBron. He was on a mission. That's
0: it. You're right. Anything else jumping out at you, man? What you been, what you been watching? What you gonna watch? What you... No,
1: man. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get back into this college, uh, college football. I know we have. We have a tough game uh, against Georgia this upcoming, or yeah. well, actually tomorrow. You know, we've uh, we've lost ten straight to them. So mm-hmm. maybe, just maybe. I'm just saying maybe now. Maybe, maybe, maybe they can get a win like they did against Tennessee, who they hadn't been since like 1984. You think ten yeah. straight losses? It has to end at some point in time. Really? All all good things must come to an end. All streaks will end. So That's it. That's it. it remains to be seen what happens tomorrow. Right,
0: right. It's tough, but it can happen. It can happen.
1: Anything, anything is possible, man.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. But I'm not putting. Any, but here's the thing, though, Danny. I'm not putting any money on the game, though. So I'm just letting you know. If I put money, I put money on the game. <laughs> it might not be with the cats. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> exactly. We understand. We 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 hope we're wrong, but it's hard to see them beaten those dogs we had those guys on on last night uh you know they brought the, the georgia perspective cory burton israel troop go get them on again at some point maybe talk a little basketball because you know they they definitely looking forward to being on the bill to, to, to chat with you virtually and, uh, right they said man we hate td wasn't there but we understand so get them on again down the road so they can yes chat with they, you they're gonna
1: come on doing doing my season, you know and then we with we're going to chop it up basketball. But, you know, yeah. the reason why we couldn't make it happen last night, we had had uh, a power had a power outage in Atlanta. So, you know, but we back in business, though, man. You know, hey, by the grace of God, we're we here. We're making it happen. And um, like I said, man, we, we completed another podcast.
0: We did, man. Um, tell your boy to, to check it out because, you, you know, you gave him a shout-out tonight, your buddy. You going to text him? so he Yes, can- sir. You check us out and, and everybody all the new listeners from a sea of blue and wherever you find us, keep coming back. Believe.com. Believe podcast network. We appreciate having you trying to bring you good stuff each and every week and you know, bring you that UK blue perspective. We root them on tough game, easy game, tough game tomorrow. We still root them on. And yes, sir. Uh, we believe blue every week.
1: And have a wonderful weekend and we will see you next week.
0: Absolutely. Y'all take care. Rate us, review us, subscribe. iTunes, wherever you get your podcast, all that good stuff. Catch TD and I every single week. Everybody take care, man.
1: Peace.